Welcome back to Throttled Up the Podcast, presented by Dirt 2 Media. And we are back right here, live from the studio. Matt, exciting show tonight. We have got an original with us. I just yes. looked it up before we jumped on the broadcast. Josh Moffitt, driver of the 5J Sprint Car. He was number three, episode number three. That was all the way back March 29th of 2018. He was wow. episode number three. Um, that, then, was, that was when we all sat around the card table. It, it was. It's also <laughs> when he uh, tried to put in the first Crothersville Sprint Car track in my side yard. <laughs> uh, but that's a that's a whole nother story. I built uh, a cushion on that one, didn't I? <laughs> you, you, were, you were working it. Uh, but then also, episode 81, we had Joss and his dad, Billy, on. Uh, that was March 12th, 2020. So I guess we've kind of, I mean, now it was, we were on an every two-year deal with Joss, and we've waited three years to get him back in here now. And uh, Joss, not because we don't love you, man. You're, uh, you're a friend of the show, one of our favorites. So glad to have you back, man. How are things? I appreciate that. I did bathe today, so I don't stink too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to be back, and hopefully we can have some fun tonight. Absolutely, and I'm going to jump right in with this, man. We, Like I said, we've um, we've not heard from you on the show in the last couple of years, so where you been? What's been going on, man? How was last season? Fill us in. We've been good. We've been uh, racing really well. I haven't been racing a whole lot. I've been getting, well, shoot, we get rained out all the time, <laughs> and uh, I think I raced probably 30 times last two years, not very many. And we've been up front every night. I just, uh, for some reason, I haven't been able to pull it off. I won the Dick Games Immortal, uh, my last win, which is a year, two, like two years ago. And uh, we've had a lot of seconds and a lot of top fives. But for some reason, I just uh, I just can't get the job done. All of a sudden, I don't know what's going on. I need to get a little better there. But uh, we've been good. We, uh, um, My dad's been stepping up and helping out more. And, and uh, I have a... A racing endeavor. I'm going to probably race for AJ Felker and his sprint oh, car cool. a little bit. So um, I'm excited about that. And hopefully, we're going to do Brownstown here next month. So that'd be good. And we'll see how it goes from there. You know, and that's, I know you and I got a chance to uh, catch up uh, off air uh, a couple weeks ago and hang out a little bit. And, you know, I think that's an exciting deal. So, kind of, how did, you know, the whole deal with Felker come, come about? Well, the thing is, is like when I first started racing, he raced, I think it was his last year. He only ran sprint cars for a couple of years, and and he was getting out when I was getting in. And I've known him a little bit before that, but we've always been kind of buddies. Like, we'd always exchange paths here and there, and and uh, I remember I hit him up a couple of years ago. I was, hey, would you ever be interested in, in racing with each other? And he goes, yeah, I wouldn't mind probably doing that. And then he had Max Adams racing for him a little bit, and I ran for him one night last year, and try to work some bugs out and he called me uh new year's eve and said hey you want to do a little racing this year so i was like hell yeah heck yeah let's do this you know <laughs> i'm always down for it, jumping in somebody else's car and try to learn and maybe i can make myself better so you guys gonna run more in his car or are you running your guys's car uh the plan is 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 he's asked me if we'd like to do 10 to 15 shows in his car and uh, we'd probably do like uh, Brownstown and USAC show at Lawrenceburg. This this is what we talked about. I'm not sure if it's actually going to happen. You know how that stuff goes. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Uh, and uh, my car, I'm going to try to run the Florida Points deal at Lawrenceburg again. 
and just fill in the void with his car like off weekends and maybe do like a like a Putnamville and, and stuff like that and maybe do some USAC shows. I wouldn't mind maybe uh, see if we can go do like Four Crown or something like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah. You know, and talking about that, you know, that season standing and, and points championship there at Lawrenceburg, you did finish second last year. Yeah. Um, I know that you feel you felt like you weren't catching to where you wanted to be. Were you still happy with finishing second with some of the ups and downs you had last year, or did you feel like you really should have been able to to pull that off? I felt like I should have been able to pull it off, and uh, I, I did myself no justice. I was leading the boss show, and I had a, a guy I got I held up in lap traffic, and I had a pretty sizable lead. It was up on the fence, and uh, I let myself get boxed in, and I got passed for the lead, and the guy kind of slid himself in and one, and I railed the cushion. He had a good uh, distance on himself, and uh, I didn't expect him to slow slide so much, and I ran over him, and I caught him. I was trying to catch him. I was trying to rail it real hard so I can get a run off the bank and, and pass him down the back straightaway and slide him back into three. And uh, it was one and twos where it happened, and I just plugged him in the back of the car and hit the wall and knocked the drive line out, and I had a – I think it was like a 100-point lead at right there. Oh. And we only raced like I think one more or two races after that. And uh, we still ran up front each time, but one night we got rained out and we got wrecked racing for the lead in the heat race, and it cut my tire. And so they, I finished fifth in that, and they continued the heat race, and we got rained out, and they counted the points for that. So it ended up making us tied going into the final night. And, and – uh, I basically had to win the feature, and I led the first half of it and got beat by the guy that won a championship. So I can't complain about that, but I feel like I gave that one away. You know, looking back to you talk about some of those races over at Lawrenceburg, and you've, you have been hands down, for those who have never been to a Lawrenceburg show, you are a fan favorite at, at Lawrenceburg every time you're over there. Um, what are some of those big races over there that, you know, that really means something more than just that weekly show when you get a chance to go over there and run them. Uh, especially at Dick Games Immortal, that's always big. And uh, obviously the USAC shows, even though they, they kick our butt, the local guys don't know what it is. We can we can run with those guys. Uh, like when you get about three or four of them down there with us, we can race with them. I beat those guys in one race against them. But as soon as you get that USAC banner, man, those guys get so tough. And I enjoyed racing those just so to see how I can stack up and see if I can get better each time. And I was quick time for a little while, and the sprint week show, and they finally started picking me off, finished seventh. And, and uh, but I mean, I'm finding speed in, in the USAC shows. I think we, I get myself too hyped up. I just need to calm down. I'm the old dog, and you learn to be the old dog, right? So, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, yeah. exactly what you said is so true, though. And, you know, sometimes when some of those USAC guys just pop in for a show – there is a whole difference when USAC is there and kind of they get up on the wheel a little bit more. You know, I don't know if they're they're working their setup more and things like that, but with the USAC banners hanging up, it's a whole different show over there. Oh, yeah. Do they up their game, or does that USAC banner bother you mentally? Like you don't even realize, like, USAC's here. I, I don't think – I could be a little bit of both. I don't – I've noticed I get more nervous because the whole qualifying aspect means so much. Oh, yeah. But if, when I start racing, I, I'll race just as good as those guys do. It's just it's, it's so hard to get qualified. And I finally learned how to qualify with them. But it's, it's so freaking tough because we don't qualify right here. Anymore we do, like, group qualifying and practice hot laps, and that's totally different than going out single car, 
I mean, you have to be perfect. And it's, I don't know how many times I've made like a one hell of a lap, and I'm like, man, I got to be like top of the board, and I'm 15th. Right. I'm like, how did that happen? You know what I mean? <laughs> Is that not the most mentally defeating thing? Oh, like, man. When you feel, I just killed this thing, and you come back around and you're like, that wasn't nearly as fast as what I thought that was. Well, you have nothing to gauge off of while you're out there. When you're a single car, yeah. no, you got nothing. You're right. Because sometimes I think I hurt myself. I bury it in a cushion, and it's wide open. And I'm a cowboy, and up, and the elbows are flying. I'm, man, that's awesome. And then I'm like, nah, I wouldn't. <laughs> no. It might look spectacular. <laughs> Not nearly what I thought. <laughs> Motor's tagging 8,600. Now, you got to remind me, USAC, you guys line up in the feature for qual- it's qualifying orders, right? Yes. You guys revert all back to time. Yeah, we uh, it's, it's if you're top six, they invert. I think if you're six quick, you if you make it out of the heat race, if everybody makes it out of the heat race, you'd be on the pole, and um, quick time would be in the third row. Gotcha. I think so that's how the, it works. And the then, top six are flip flopped, and then everybody else is just stacked in behind up. that. Yeah, if okay. you make it out of the heat race, and if you make it through your b main you can't start anywhere ahead of uh, like uh i think 11th but you still get your time back ahead of those other guys it's kind of confusing to me oh wow yeah <clears throat> so i get i was like i never know where i'm gonna start i qualify and say if we qualify eighth and it's like oh i should be fairly up front and you go out there and line up for a feature and you're 13th i'm like how's this worse <laughs> so, you know i don't know <laughs> well and I, I gotta say too you know not only does maybe you get a little more hyped up in that USAC banner saying hanging up. But, you know, your dad, who's a huge help to you on race day, always calm, cool, and collected at all times. Never, never wound up in any way. Um, no. <laughs> I think yeah. he maybe gets a little more wound up with uh-huh. the USAC banners hanging too. But uh, I think I need a GoPro put on his hat <laughs> so you can see how many cigars he smokes. I'm telling you, though, I, and I mean this wholeheartedly, I got to go with you a couple of years ago over to Lawrenceburg and and spend the night with you guys and and race and unfortunately it was not a good night. Um, you have absolutely invited me to come back anytime, even though I wouldn't invite me after the way that night ended for you. But uh, I have to say, your dad is one of the most entertaining human beings at the racetrack you could ever be around. That's so funny, My, Rodney Reynolds. He, uh, I was over there hanging out with him the other night and. He's like, Joss, I got a picture I got to send you. He's like, I was watching the Flow Racing earlier this year, and, and uh, you guys are lined up for the heat races, and you can see Dad in the grandstands and <laughs> with a hat in his hand. And he's right there in the picture. He's like, it's, it's, it's freaking great. It's, it's, it's my pops. You know, I mean, what can I say? He's, he's, he's very uh, – uh, forgive me for saying his dad, but sometimes you're a little dramatic. <laughs> I love it, though. That's what makes, him, that's what makes everybody like Dad. Uh, you can't. Yeah, I mean it. I, I love him to death, too, and that was one of the funnest evenings I ever had. And like I said, not the result we wanted in any way, shape, or form, but it was a blast to hang out with you guys and be around him for sure. Oh, yeah, he's awesome, man. Because if it wasn't for him, I, I wouldn't have any desire to do it anymore because he's just – he's my best friend, and, and uh, we just get along so good. And, and it's, it's memories you always cherish, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, I, I try to explain that to some people that, the race is like father and son. It's like you gotta enjoy that. You can't you can't be getting mad at each other, and it's hard to because it's intense. But you have to try to spin it the other way. You know oh yeah. Mean? You know I want to say that you know, and, and I think sometimes people don't see that. But even that night I was there, and it was it was a high intensity night. You got wrecked. We had a tore up race car, and 
Um, there was a lot of down in that night, but by the time we had everything loaded, the truck and trailer were headed back, you know, we stopped for your dad's donuts and, and chocolate milk. And, uh, there wasn't this argument on the way home or this or that we were back to laughing and joking and having a good time because that's what it was about. It was about having fun and going over there and, and no, it was not a good evening. It wasn't, you had a, you had a mangled race car in the trailer that was going to be a problem for the next couple of weeks, but well, sure. there's no reason to sit and cry about it on the way home. No, and it, well, the bad part about that night, that happened <laughs> first lap of the heat race. First lap of the heat race. <laughs> so yes. if it happens to feature, it isn't so bad, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah, there was, it was... <laughs> You don't even get start it, money there, do you? No. It also <laughs> didn't help that the guy that wrecked you was pitted right next door to us that right. yeah and he's one he's a close friend of mine now and <laughs> it's one of those things is i'm not going to go into that whole lot but, but it's just uh it was, was not a moments. good evening no i mean i quit i quit on the front street i was like damn it i'm done i'm quitting and bobby gump goes shut up go back to the trailer think about this <laughs> yeah i uh everybody quits on the racetrack when they're broke oh you know? man tony and that was an expensive one too yeah I didn't like it when my neck was sore, my pride was broken, my wallet was bent. I was like, no, that's not good. <laughs> and I, I and I gotta say, it was it was an ugly one because even I was in the pit grandstands uh, with Angel, and um, you know that's uh, that's a whole nother thing that I don't know that I'd ever really experienced. Was I've been to a lot of races and I've watched a lot of bad accidents happen, but I've never been with somebody's wife when an accident happens, like they may be around or I may know where they're at in the stands, but I'm sitting next to angel as Joss flips, not knowing where these next few hours are going to go for us. And that not being like overly dramatic about it, but until we saw Billy get to your car and basically we knew that you were getting out and you were okay. You're just kind of sitting there that you talk about not having the words to say other than, it, it's good. He's going to get out. He's going to get out. And you know, that was, that was a new experience for me and angel. I remember once we knew you were safe, then angels, I got up, I said, well, I'm going to go back to the pit. And angel said, I'm going to sit here for a while. <laughs> 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 I totally understand why she made that choice. Once yeah. we knew you were safe, but, uh, no kidding. but yeah, that is, I, that was a new experience because I'd never sat with somebody's wife and had to, you know, think about what are we getting ready to, to go through because it was a nasty one that you went on that I, night. I'll tell you a little something that's crazy about that that flip that we had in that instance. It's uh, somehow in the, in the rotations, dirt came off the racetrack and went down into my header and up into the cylinder heads. And I, I remember pulling the car apart, pulling the engine out so I could put it in my Maxim. And the cylinders were packed where the valves were, yeah. were packed full of mud. And I was like, what, how does this happen? So I called Roger. He's like, don't do nothing but gently clean it out and vacuum. And I can't remember how I got it all cleaned out, but we, I think we scoped it or something, make sure everything was clean in there. That is I was, unreal. I was like, how did this happen? You know what I mean? Wow. Went right through the pipe. Freak. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it almost was a much more expensive evening. Yes. Had you not caught that. Yes. Imagine trying to fire that off. Yeah. I've heard like critters crawling up there, like mice and stuff, get between the cylinder head and the piston. You know what I mean? Try to push the motor over and won't crank over and crushing bones. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go back. You know, I know that we obviously we talked about this. Um, 
way back the first episode, but for, for people who maybe weren't listening back then and don't know, um, you know, we've talked to a lot of drivers on here over the last five years and a lot about how they came up and their stories, but you have one of my favorite no, stories yeah. of Definitely. all time because, you know, so many guys come on and they say, oh, you know, I race go-karts or even I race ATVs or dirt bikes or I, I came up doing this or I started in Hornets and then moved to this. You have none of that story. No, no. This is probably the most honest story out of everybody we've ever interviewed. So how did you end up in a 410 sprint car to start your racing career? And and first of all, for those who maybe aren't up on the sprint car world, that's the most insane statement any human being can make is you started your career in a 410 sprint car. And this is true. It, I'm not sure if it's the smartest thing anybody could ever do. But... uh it was I was around it all my life, and of course, people don't know. Dad was the indie car, a painter, and yeah. I was around those all my life. So, yeah, I think it was destined. I was going to be involved in it one way or the other. And then I was crew with Dad when I was a kid, and I was around Pete Abel, and and then uh, later it was uh, Jeff Wilson and Kevin Thomas and Rod Reynolds, and Rodney Reynolds, and yeah. I met so many great people and was around it and. My hero is Steve Kenzer, and I got to know him. His dad painted for him a little bit, and uh, I didn't get to know him, know him, but got to be around him a little bit. And So it's just one of those things. And like I remember Carrie Norris, we used to go Carrie Norris, and it's it just like uh, I always wanted to race, be a sprint car racer, and I don't know why, but <laughs> it's just you know, it's the sprint cars, like I've always enjoyed all the other forms of race cars, but everybody's different, and the sprint cars always wowed me the most. So I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to understand what that is and it wasn't for anybody but myself so i decided to just uh, go and buy one i remember doing like the rental cart stuff and i could tell i could probably do it and so the whole sprint car deal i remember the first time we ran it and i got lapped three times by chris Kurz <laughs> and i laughed so everybody's mudding me up and i was like wow this is a, this is crazy i can't believe i'm actually this stupid to do this <laughs> And that's what people don't understand in this story as well. And I, and I think it shows your your determination and, and the way you worked is because this is not an easy thing to jump into right at on. all. No. But also people don't understand, like, it's it's not like, man, I'd, I'd like to try, you know, whatever hobby, snowboarding. So I go get, you know, I go rent a snowboard. I figure out after the first few times, I'm not very good at this. I need to do something else. You made a you made a major financial investment. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. To be able to go do this, yeah. So you need to make it work, and I just love the fact you had that determination, even when it didn't start off great, to say I'm going to do this. That's just just it. I guess you, well, you well you just put it in perspective. It'd be like trying to go out and race in the or snowboard with the best around. That's why I did. I mean, like the super late models and the sprint cars around here. That's the top tier. Everybody comes from the lower forms, and that's where they go. I just jumped right in. No <laughs> racing experience, so I feel sorry for those guys that had to put up with me. <laughs> Especially, I was on the gas. You know what I mean? I was like, <clears throat> I should have been more afraid of it earlier, but flipped too many times. But it was uh, definitely an eye-opening experience. Man, it's just some of those moments I think back, and I cherish them so much. I remember racing some of the guys that I used to look up to and, and finally getting to beat them first time. I mean, pretty young in my career and uh say wow i'm actually doing this and i think i'm gonna be decent you know what i mean yeah, I, yeah. I was never cocky 
and I've always stayed humble, and I think it always helps, you know what I mean? And but uh, well, Billy being your dad helps that too. Oh yeah, he would smack me. <laughs> he's, he's quick to tell you <laughs> yeah. where you messed up, even in a win. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you was young in your career, and they you know they'd pull up, you know, to the inside, and you seen that tail tank, and you know you immediately recognize is one of the guys you looked up to. I mean, butterflies. Did, did you get up on the wheel a little harder, or did you know? Yeah, I try to learn and and like. It actually made me better because I would try hard to keep up. You know what I mean? And I remember there's this one night. This is a good story to me. I don't know if it was anybody else, but <laughs> it was a heat race at the old Lawrenceburg, and it was real slick. And I remember I started on the tail, and uh, everybody went to like middle to bottom. So I went to the top, and I passed like almost the whole field in like, I think by the time I came up four, I had too much speed going, <laughs> slipped off. You know what I mean? And uh, Andy Hartwell. He walks up to me after he goes, where'd you come from? I was like, well, I just came from last. And he goes, I don't understand that, but where'd you come from? He's like, you got to understand. He goes, you can only make a 40-mile-an-hour corner, a 40-mile-an-hour corner. You can't do it in 100. Because that was impressive, though. <laughs> you know, and, and who were some of those guys? You know, you, you share that story right there, but who were some of those guys that, you know, like you said, it – they could be the guy that is just ticked off that you jumped in and you didn't have this experience, but who saw something in you and, and gave you those, you know, those bits of knowledge you needed. Well, some of the guys that really stuck out and they're, they're still friends to this day is Brandon Petty. Um, he was huge. He taught me about angles and remember one night he was like, he's like, come out here in a hot laps and get behind me and, and follow me. I'm going to teach you how to run the cushion. And unfortunately, he slipped off of it, too, and I slipped off with him. And he's like, you ain't supposed to do that, you know. <laughs> you told me to follow yeah. you. I'm right yeah. here. <laughs> and uh, my good buddy, Matt Westfall, I learned a lot from him. And, and some of those guys, you know, I, uh, they – That guy, dude has just been – he can drive anything with a steering wheel, man. He's awesome, man. I love that yeah. guy. And he, he he's so underrated, in my I opinion. Agree. He, I agree. Uh, he's good in everything. It was unfortunate, like, when he had that nice late model ride. I remember he was in Charlotte. And he was running. I think he ran in top ten both features, and yeah. they just hired that one boy. And I think he, I can't remember. He ran up front or one or, and he's like Moffat. Like I just got fired. And I was like, <laughs> What do you mean we run the top ten? He goes, I think I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> but she, I mean, he's just he's a phenomenal racer, and we still chat. And every once in a while, I get a little behind on setup, and I'm like, Matt, I'm this one feel, and he goes, You need to do this with your torsion bars or. You're too much in and out, and I always listen to my buddy Brad Benning, and, and the three of us, we all think we're pretty much similar with each other, And but it's nice to hear another driver say, hey, this is what you're feeling, this is what you need, and you need more left your drive, so do this, you know, even up bars in the back, or it's just neat to feel that, and after he tells me, and I can kind of bounce ideas off him, back and forth with him, you know what I mean? I tell him, like, he comes to Lawrenceburg, he's like, this is what I'm doing right now to run the fence, and this is how I'm doing with this corner and, and with my throttle and stuff like that. And it helps him, too. You know what I mean? Oh, that's good. At least I think it does, I hope. <laughs> He's, he runs good over there when he shows up. <laughs> so I want to ask this, because you brought up old Lawrenceburg, and you've been on both tracks a number of times. How do you compare old Lawrenceburg to new Lawrenceburg? Where, where do you stand in that whole debate? Oh, man, the old one reminds me uh, – Kind of reminds me of like a kind of like a gas city. Mm -hmm. But I tell you a track, Waynesfield, Ohio. 
Now I've been there years. I, if I want to try to go back to this year, I love that place. I won some races over there and always ran good over there. And but it drove a lot like the old Lawrenceburg. It just had a, a wall around three and four, and something about that with the black dirt just suited me. And I think it always made me happy going there because maybe like I was at the old burg and I go back to the speed palace. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's a, it's kind of like a gas city without without it tightening up off four real bad. It's kind of how do you, how do you like the new Lawrenceburg? I absolutely love it. I do. I think it's a it's a thrill. Uh, a lot of people don't like it. Only thing that I don't like about it is when there's uh, early like heat races. Um, if there's a little bit of moisture, it gets strung out like a wing sprint car mm-hmm. deal in a heat race. Mm. So you gotta make your moves on the first lap, and after that, and you can make passes, but it takes you two laps to run a guy down passing, and you got another two laps to run that guy down passing, then you're out of time. You're out of that's time only, before you get there. Yeah, that's the only thing bad about it. It's like it's like going to run Eldor Speedway. You're just hammered down. It almost seems like there's so much wasted track in one and two. At the new configuration, that like you've never seen, no one really want to run up high right there. So, well, the last two years we've been like inches off the wall up there. Oh, really? So, yeah, so see, I've changed. been there for a year or two. So, yeah. you know, I was many years I was locked down on it, Saturday nights. Yeah, and, used to be there for a while. We it wouldn't do anything up top, but now it's we live so and die totally on the changed, top. Huh? Now I you remember. They can't even run the bottom over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's too fast up there. It's weird. It's slick. You know, he has a little moisture around the tires or or infill berm and but you still gotta be tackling the defense i remember you know years ago at eldor if you didn't run the wall you you couldn't go and now everybody wants to run the bottom yeah i know it's crazy it's crazy no one went if you've seen somebody on the bottom it's like they're slow you know they're not doing nothing and you're right and to me eldor is watching the guys bounce off the wall i mean that's what makes eldor eldor right and the big sliders and i mean i could be I could be funky in my ways of thinking but that's a as a fan man you go watch that crap it's like it takes your breath away you can hold up the most, you know. Fifteen years ago, if you seen somebody going to turn one and they were down by the, you know, the inside fence, you're like, they're, you know, they're getting out of everybody's way. And now they're fighting for that spot down yeah, there. Yeah, you're like, right. Hey, you're right. That it's is so wild. unreal, man. It's wild. I think shoot, I even watch guys run through the middle now over there and get away with it. Yeah. Well, and going back to Lawrenceburg, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of nostalgia with the old Lawrenceburg, but I'm telling you, that is the hands down best facility all around absolutely it is there is i mean if you have not gone to lawrenceburg to watch a race and we can sit and debate track configuration all that stuff i know there'll be some listeners like oh but if you've not gone and sat in the stands or that is hands down the best facility in indiana right now and it's beautiful oh my gosh love that place love it dave does an awesome job i cannot imagine thankfully for him he has a a small crew but cleaning the place uh, every sunday all the dirt and and the grandstands oh, yeah. and trash, and I mean, that place is huge. And the restrooms are, are beautiful too. Yeah. Nice stainless uh, uh, urinals, and of course you have the beer lines, which everybody likes. And yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's a like plus you, anytime. Yeah, you feel like you're almost showing up at like a, a NASCAR track, or you yeah. know something. I mean, it is the the grandstands are are perfect. Like you said, you know the the entire facility is is like nice everywhere you go on there. That's great. Yeah, it's a uh, it's like I always try to uh, it. If somebody's never been before, it's like, even like, a, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. That big modified race that has late models, that's a good one for people to go to and never been. Mm-hmm. If they, they want to watch stock cars running yeah, or to come watch us race or like a, 
like the uh, oh the summer nationals, summer or, nationals, yeah. yeah, or even like the the world the Merle Outlaws. Downey, the Merle one. Downey, yes, that's it, yes, yeah. that's always a great show. Yeah. And uh, like the World Outlaw Sprint Car Show, there is probably my favorite. That, that's one of my be- favorite races to watch. I wish I could get some wings and run that deal. But <laughs> well, and I'll say this too. I mean, even though it is such a big track, if you get a chance to even catch a midget week there, oh, man. oh yeah, absolutely. Especially if Larson's in the field, go. Um, it, they do some insane things because those midgets are all over the place, slide jobbing each other. Midgets are great, and oh. the slide jobs are like. 10 stories tall. <laughs> <laughs> they go through the infield and bouncing off the wall. I'm like, holy crap. They're half the size of our sprint car and they're going the same speed. It just blows it's me insane. away. Yeah. I say, how are they going that fast? I don't, I don't get it. So I want to I ask you this too, because the other night, uh, a couple weeks ago when we got together and, and uh, caught up a little bit, we started talking. You know, I, I just brought up Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson is the, um, the talk of everywhere right now because yeah. – the dude has set the world on fire from everything from obviously his sprint car stuff to to what he's doing in a late model with some of that to we kind of forget sometimes that he's also running NASCAR, the biggest thing in, in uh, the country. But he's also going to run the Indy 500 next year. That's going to be great. In, in my opinion, I think he'll be okay. But I don't think he's going to be great in that because – Kyle Larson is one of those guys where he has more car control than anybody, and I think in any car, if you step out sideways at all, you're done. I could be wrong. I want to get your guys' opinion on that. I think that he definitely has the balls. He's not going to be afraid of it. I think he's hands down the best driver in the world. Um, I agree. And that's hard. And I think historically, even, that's hard for me to say. I grew up a Stewart fan. I'm a diehard Stewart fan. I didn't think I'd ever say someone was better than him, not in one aspect of being able to race anything. I do think Larson is that guy. I agree with you 100%. And I was interested, probably more than any even other people watching Connor Daly at the Daytona 500, and I think he struggled a lot because the NASCAR cars, the stock cars, move so much more. I think that's a huge change. That car is stuck. You're not going in, you know, wheeling back to the right. If you're wheeling to the right, it's all over. Yeah, I think it takes away what makes Kyle Larson so good. That's my concern. See, I'm, I agree with you guys on Kyle and Indy. Is I think he, he will do. I think he will get the most laps out of anybody that's attempted to double. Me too. I think in, he'll in the, finish in, and be in good the, in the day. I think I think he will get all of Indy. And you know, I, I I don't know if he'll get all of the 600 because I mean, you know, that's a lot of. I would pass out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think with Connor Daly, because I was going to comment on that too, I don't think the team knew what they had they needed for him because when he went out for the duels, the car hopped like it was, you know, a bouncy ball. And they found out that they had the whole thing locked down on the all the way around. Yeah, and know, I don't so disagree with that either. I, I think – so it's like a go kart, then essentially, wasn't it? It, it really, yeah. There was no suspension. The, the only suspension he had was the tire, the sidewalls of the tire. And I think he's a way better driver than the team allowed him to be because of the car. And I don't disagree with that about Connor Daly because I think yes. Connor Daly's a talent, and yes. I'm not taking anything away from him. No, for sure. I just, I would love to hear honestly Tony Stewart's opinion. Yeah. Um, and not from a I. 
And that's why you couldn't ever do it on a radio, but well, maybe you could with Tony. Who knows if you caught him at the right time? He's raced both. I would love to hear what he thinks the challenges will be for Larson. But I just think I'm like you guys. I everything Larson drives is loose. It's wide open. Mm-hmm. He's the one in control. I just I don't know how you do it when it's stuck. Yeah, nothing controls you. And we had so much mm-hmm. telemetry and all that stuff. I mean, I can see him running top ten, but I don't think he's going to win it unless it's a freak. I mean, I hope I'm pretty wrong. I'd be I awesome too. to see him win it. You yeah, know? yeah, I would too. And, and the place he loves to run the most is right against the wall, and IndyCar doesn't do that. No, you know? in the marbles, you'd be done, you know. Yeah. And yeah. even the idea of passing, like you look at how Larson loves to pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in NASCAR, and I, I hate when they call it a slide job in NASCAR. Me too. Because yeah. it's not a slide <laughs> job. But he mimics that passing yes. style in NASCAR. He loves to undercut people and slide back up in front of them, you know, transition back up in front of them. That's not how you pass an indie either. And I, for him to sit and be patient and then make the moves he's got to make, it, it's just not his style. It's no. It, so I, I'm again, I think he's hands down the best. I think anybody doubting him or talking about doubting him is only going to fuel him to even be better. So I hope I eat every word I have said tonight. You and me both. It'd be awesome if he would actually see this. So I I hope like crazy he goes out and absolutely dominates it, but it's just a whole nother world. It is, and it's not anything to knock his driving because he's, like you said, I think he's the best driver there is, period. It's just it's a – it's just a totally different style. Totally I'm amazed different. at the amount of different cars he can get in in a week and stay as consistent as he does because, well, yeah, you know, I go from driving my truck to the wife's car and I have to adjust, you know, driving those. And, you know, he's going from, you know, these racing machines and just switching complete you know, everything crazy. and crazy. just goes right out and does it. Because you know, I'm mean, like, people are a creature uh, like, Comfort, you know what I mean? They, they, you want to sit in your office, your race car, and you want it to feel like your own every single time. Each race car you get in, and it's going to be totally different from a sprint car. Each sprint car you get in is going to be a little different. Each late yeah. model you're going to get in, even if that team has two different late models he drives, they're going to feel a little different. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. seat might be a little different in this one than there's that one. And it's amazing to me how it can be. You can run a all-star show or outlaw show, run up front. Next night, he's a super late model, run top five. And he goes Sunday and runs top five in a cup car. I'm like, this guy is just out of this world. I don't understand how he does it. And I think sometimes people forget as well. And, again, this is not knocking Tony because I am one of the biggest Tony fans you'll ever find. At Tony's height in NASCAR, when Tony was competing for championships regularly, yes, he was bouncing into some dirt shows and showing up wherever they were racing NASCAR. He wasn't chasing series. And yes. he wasn't like, like he would he would show up he'd bounce in he'd be there he'd run it because he enjoyed it he wasn't chasing like flow racing night in America like what Kyle Larson is yeah. against the best of the best Kyle is going and winning series championships while he's racing for championships in NASCAR again not a knock on Tony but that's a whole different deal than just I'm gonna pop in this local show in Pennsylvania because we're racing in Pocono this weekend you yeah. know yeah. And that's going to be on oh, probably not necessarily Pennsylvania sometimes, but a lot of these tracks, some of these leather local shows are not going to be as tough as like the big shows. That, and he's going, he's going where the competition is. Yeah, he's, he's freaking, he's running with the 
Luca's late models were the outlaws and were oh, yeah. outlaw sprint cars are all stars and he's, he's kicking butt and it's like ain't like he's just doing showing up at Bloomington Speedway on a Friday night in Brownstown Saturday you know what I mean oh, yeah. no, no disrespect to you no, you're exactly tough right. as hell to run it absolutely either one of those but it's just a, it's just another level and I watch it and it just blows me away and I was so excited was it a couple of years ago when he won all those races yeah both yeah. that was one of the coolest it was like People need to appreciate this because we're probably never going to see this again. We we have said that that take it in now because there's no one else like him. No, nowhere. No, because there will be. I think every NASCAR owner right now, yes, they love pulling in the dirt fans, and they're letting some people, you know, dabble in it. You know, obviously, we saw some guys at the Chili Bowl that, that are NASCAR guys, and I think they'll always allow some of that. But Kyle Larson will be the last one they let just go rogue completely. And the only reason why is he can write a check that no one else can because, again, you don't want me to do it. I can go run this and make money, well, make proved, tons of money, that. go do it. You're right. So, yeah. Or you want me here. And I think that's a huge thing, like – you know, I think a lot of owners are going to start constricting yeah. what these guys can go do. They may be able to run some big shows, bouncing out. Again, I think Stewart is always going to have a hand in that. I love what he did last year with Chase Briscoe with the Chase and Dirt thing and getting him back involved, but that's Tony. Hendrick, I think, is a whole different – some of these other owners are a whole different deal that they want you at NASCAR first. You're right. Well, look at Joe Gibbs, what, he, what Chris Rebell said the other day on the David Gravel's podcast, basically – you're not racing dirt, boy, because I don't like yep. it, and I don't want you doing it. Yeah, I, I, but I think Hendricks might loosen up a little bit with Gordon slowly taking over because you know, I hope. You know, you noticed down there at Daytona, Jeff was a lot more hands-on than than Hendrick was, and so you know, Jeff comes from that background, understands it, so it, you know, it might open up. And this is the other thing too, like you talk about Christopher Bell right there, as the as the free agent market in NASCAR shifts that is starting to become way bigger than what we ever saw before. Gibbs and some of these teams are going to have to consider that. If mm-hmm. if you're Christopher Bell and there's an open seat at Stuart Haas Racing, are you not making the jump to Stuart Haas because I can also go run every dirt show I want, be supported by my boss? Mm-hmm. And like I said, what a great idea for Tony. Just package it with Mahindra, and we're going to go do this whole thing. We're going to get a sponsor across all three things we do. It's true. I think that's a that's a draw for a guy like Christopher Bell. Yeah, it'd be like ring the bell for me. Okay, how come? You yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> and speaking of Tony, top alcohol dragster. Well, I know. All incredible, season. dude. <laughs> all, all. I mean, he's running the whole season. That, that's yeah. amazing, right there. And his first night out, he almost won the whole thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. are you serious right now? It, I, again, <laughs> that guy's a, a phenomenal, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I just go back to, and, and I do not want to hear any listener that if you're a Stewart hater, that's fine. Hate on. But do not come on and say, well, it's because he's got the best equipment. Everybody oh, he's yeah. racing again has the best equipment. You're right. You're right he yeah. wasn't at the Salem Airport drag racing. Exactly. Everybody in yeah. NHRA has the best equipment. Yeah. The dude is special. Like, he's... He's at the age he should be sitting on a lake fishing, and he's racing the NHRA top fuel dragsters. You're right. He's just an adrenaline junkie. That's just all there is to it. I mean. Although he's the second NASCAR driver to drag race. You're right. It was uh, Doug Coletta. Richard Petty. When they boycotted Dodge, they boycotted Dodge at NASCAR, Richard Petty drag raced. 
Really? I never yep. knew that. Yeah. I was wrong about Doug he, Coletta. He, he was used Doug, to sprint car guy. Yeah, he was <laughs> a sprint car guy. Coletta was a sprint car yeah. yeah. But, yeah, Richard Petty drag race during the boycott of Dodge in Plymouth in NASCAR. I did not know that. That is yeah. awesome. Huh. There you guys go. See, the old man still knows a few there things. There we go. <laughs> That's great. I did not know that He's Googling it right I now. I am. <laughs> I seen it, uh, my, uh, my buddy, Roger Williams, he's an engine builder, and he uh, he had a picture of him, the old king, down there in Daytona the last week. Oh, really? Pretty awesome. I think that old man's starting to look better than what he did. I think so, too. I do, too. I yeah. don't know if it's that he sold out of the company and yeah. he's feeling a little better. No but kidding. He said it bothered him that uh, Jimmy Johnson took the uh, petty name out of the, the team name. Really? Yeah, he said it was a little bothersome. That he, you know, that and I can understand that for him, but I also yeah. think – no disrespect to, to Richard Petty. He's he's the legend, but Johnson comes in with seven championships, and I love that he went legacy motorsports. I, I think too. that honors both of them. Mm. I would have been offended if he'd have came in and called it Johnson Motorsports yep. or something. He, yeah. he kind of combined those two. But, he, yes, he right here, uh, Richard Petty's 43 junior drag racing Barracuda. Um, That is awesome, Matt. uh, (laughs) The year Richard Petty went drag racing. This is from Hot Rod Magazine. Um, The car carried the name Outlawed on the doors. Yeah, because they... Because they had outlawed... Yeah, the... uh, Wow. That's that's interesting right there. Wow. Yeah, I had no clue. Um, And it was Petty Blue. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's good though. It's fitting, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. That's interesting. <laughs> wow. Dave Rude is a promoter of promoter of Lawrence Park Speedway. He used to drag race before he became promoter. Oh really? I yeah. He's a good guy too, man. Great He's, guy. Yeah. And has been huge for the sport. Yeah. Um I don't know if you saw this uh the other day, going back to the um uh Daytona five hundred. But did you see the story about Kel Yarborough winning the 500 in a show car? Oh, no. I've heard about that. So they came out. Uh, Yarborough on the first lap was like 200 plus, then flipped. Is this when he sailed in turn four? Yes. I remember, I remember when they destroyed the, the car. Kid. They did not, at that point, they did not bring backup cars to Daytona with them. They did not have a backup car at the shop. Which is, again, just even thinking about where racing has come. These guys are at the 500. They didn't even have a backup car at the shop. Lucas Oil teams have got six cars sitting in the yeah. in the shop at home. I remember this story now that you're telling But it. they had no car. They didn't have time to build one. The car was too damaged to yep. do it. They couldn't find anything. The only thing they knew is that's when Hardee's was on the car. And Hardee's, a local Hardee's in Florida, had a show car. Yeah. That was sitting outside the Hardee's to show off and and bring people in. They took a tra- uh, Buddy Baker's boy took a truck and trailer, got the car out of the Hardee's, brought it to Daytona. They worked all night to get it set up and went out and won the five hundred with a car that was sitting in a Hardee's parking lot the you, day before. You just gotta let that one sink in. That's that's what I like. It, it went through on the broadcast, and I just kind of sat there and I was watching. I'm like, yeah, they. It just went and got this car. It was sitting in a parking lot. You're right. And 
if I sometimes I don't have a show car sitting there, it might be like a junk steering gear I used to yeah, have. Well, or, most, yeah, most of them you know are. That's a, yeah, that's uh, stuff you ain't gonna throw like, like new stuff on it. Just you go race with it. That's why it's a show car. You just pretty it up. Nobody's gonna know any difference. That's yeah, the incredible. only good things on them are the body panels. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's so. And it, you you know which you know back then it, they don't make them the bullets that they make them now. But uh, you're you know, right. That's that's freaking awesome. Yeah, so that was one. That probably would have been what 82? eighty two, because I was in elementary school. Because we, I, my grandpa took me out of school when we went down there every year, and we were down there the year that he, like you know, the, the car just lifted off the racetrack and flew into the fence in turn four. Yeah, and it's one of those, one of the iconic. If you've seen the interview when they come and ask him about that lap, and he said. Well, the 200 was great, but I wish I could have kept it on the track for the second. Like, yeah, I guess yeah. he's walking out of the infield care center. Like, yeah, I, we're in trouble because we just destroyed a car. So, I have that Hardy's car is probably the top five most beautiful NASCARs ever. I thought that. Oh, man. My favorite was always Harry Gantt's Gold Bandit, but I love that Hardy's car, too. That was pretty. So, you know, oh, talking yeah. about cars, I, I, I'm going <laughs> to throw this at, at you, Joss. You've seen a lot of what your dad has painted. Yeah. What is your favorite car your dad has painted? What's his own? Probably. Um, <laughs> Which version? Oh, shoot. Probably my wife is going to kill me for saying this, but <laughs> my red and black and white car with the gold leaf Moffat on the hood. And he had my name in gold leaf. I don't yeah. know. Something about that. Just uh, is beautiful, man. Yeah. yeah, real gold leaf too. Real gold leaf. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching him. He'd... That's a talent in itself. Watching them guys put that gold leaf down, man. Oh man, it's so cool. He would put down. I think his varnish. He's probably going to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> furniture varnish, <laughs> painted on there, Moffat, and he would get his gold leaf and his shades. If somebody doesn't know, you get they get him at a hobby store. And it's real, very, very. I can't say that word. Gold leaf. We just put it that way, and he put it on there. And he kind of rubs it off, and it, like he'll float in the air like a snowflake. And then he'll take a rag, use his thumb, he'll make the swirls. That's how you do old school deal. And he'll outline it with the the red, and probably he had to, like a white pinstripe in between the the black shadow. And uh, it, it was freaking awesome. It uh, then he would I can't remember if he just recleared the hood or if he put varnish over top of that again, but. I used to love sitting there watching him do that, he's, man. He's a talented man. He yeah. is. Not very many like that anymore. No, you know, I was no. I was just talking to my my buddy Andy Ebbing that owns Ebbing Auto Parts the other day, and we were just talking about, as I'd brought up you being on the podcast and your dad, we just got talking like, you don't even see guys that, that pinstripe vehicles anymore. Everything is vinyl, you know, now. And, you know, and he was talking about at the, at the salvage yard there, he said, yo, when he was a kid – there were guys that would come in, you know, every year to repinstripe their their company trucks and you know make sure they were updated and they look good. He's like, man, I miss that. I miss that idea of they'd stop by and you get to go out and watch them, you know, hand pinstripe things. Yeah, absolutely, and, man. It's I'm cool. thinking that the Taylor brothers in, in Louisville still do at Taylor's House of Color down there. I think they they might still be hand stripers, but there's it it is few and far between. It a, is. There's a guy in Cincinnati, Joshua Shaw. I drove his. Uh, uh, old classic sprint car one night and it was a freaking blast but he does that and awesome painter pinstriper he can letter he, he's just like my pops but younger man it's it's awesome I love seeing it I wish there was I wish I knew how to do it honestly 
Now the, it's a dying art, you know. Old Rev Black taught your dad, right? Yeah. That's what I, yeah. Good old Rev. So dad kind of went and worked with him until he passed, and dad kind of took over for him, I guess you could say. Because they both painted all the cars up in Indy back then. I know that was yeah. Rev's big deal, too. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I knew Rev. I, knew, I wish I would have known Rev. I know he's a party animal, but I didn't know the guy. He's the reason Parnelli Jones is called Parnelli. No kidding. He's, he was Parnell, and Rev put an eye on the end of his name by accident. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I awesome. did not know that. Yeah, you have to ask I'll your dad about I that. I will. And I got I to tell a story on my dad. Just, <laughs> that's freaking great. It reminds me of this one. You guys know who Bobby Allen is, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They call him Scruffy. Of course, his son is Jacob Allen, and his grandson is uh, Logan Shoehart in the outlaw deal. But dad was painting Bobby Allen's helmet, and it was I think it was blue. And he lettered Scruffy on the side of the helmet, and he sent it off to him. It was a couple of years later, back when we used to get Open Wheel Magazine. And I remember he was on the cover of that dude, and he was putting tear-offs in that helmet. And I was like, Dad, that's your helmet you painted for him. And I got there looking at it, and instead of Scruffy, Dad wrote Scuffy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Dad called him, and he was like, that's all right. I thought it was great. You guys want to leave it. He's like, I'm Scuffy Allen. <laughs> I'm just on that magazine. And it's on open wheel magazine. Yeah, right in cover. Put tear off so scuffy. Bobby out. I thought I was like, Daddy, you had too many beers that night. You can't paint with if you don't have at least two, you man. You have at least two or three. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah you, that, that's what brings out the, the, the smoothness. Yeah, you got to be able to roll right through it. Tony used to say, man, I used to like to get your dad drunk, and he goes, he can be all shaking. I think it's just a pain in a straight line and pull the brush off and be all shaking again. <laughs> it is, man. It, it, I will say this. Your your dad is is a talent that, you know, we talk about appreciate Kyle Larson, appreciate some of these guys. You're not going to see it again. Your dad is part of that mm-hmm. generation. Absolutely. That he is. We're not going to see guys like him again that, that do that kind of stuff. And it's just – it's amazing to me. And that's why I, I – I appreciate the the car that you picked. I I would have a tough time picking my favorite of your cars, just because every one of them looks killer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, with him and doing them. There's other cars he's painted that are just just absolutely beautiful. And there's so many of them I can't think of it offhand, like helmets and too. He's painted some incredible helmets and and uh, I mean just all kinds of neat stuff. I'm hearing another story about him painting. He, he told me about um, AJ Foyt. He painted some helmets for him and. And he took, he just painted a helmet and painted AJ on the side of it. I remember seeing a picture of it, and he took it up to Gaskin Alley. I think they're practicing for the 500 there. And AJ wanted to try his helmet on. Dad's trying to holler at him that paint was wet. And he grabs it and puts it on his head, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> so Dad had to wipe it off and redo it. And, <laughs> and just that again, let that story soak in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your dad's yelling at AJ Foyt to not put the helmet on because the paint is wet. Yeah. I mean, the the stories that your dad has the the life he's lived is is just unbelievable and and you know i love that the the coolest thing for me is i can sit here and be amazed about aj foyt and all the guys that your your dad has worked with but i can tell you and i know you know it there's nobody your dad would rather work with than you. And oh, that's the yeah. coolest thing about being with yeah. you guys is absolutely he yeah. is. There's nobody that tops being Josh Moffat's dad at the racetrack. You're right about that. And 
And that's the thing is it's like uh, I feel like there's history there when I work with them, really. So I try to respect them as much as I can, you know what I mean? Sometimes I get a little frustrated, but he is my pops, and he's been around a long time, seen a lot of things, done oh, a lot yeah. of things, and he does know his stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool, really. And also, like, to your point there, like, all the people – like think about all the people I met when I was a kid growing up. I used to hang around the indie car shop and used to hang out with not hang out, but I used to play with my little toy cars out there in dirt and Poncho Carter Carter and make noises with me and, <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, it's just cool as hell, you know. It is, yeah. and and I but I also want to say, man, it, what everything your dad has done is is amazing, but. You're writing one hell of a story too, mm-hmm. and I and I want to be I want to be serious about that because, you know, we're good buddies outside of this podcast, and we joke around and have a good time. And but what you have done, being that kid that was willing to jump in a four ten sprint car, and as you said, now you're becoming the old guy at the racetrack. Um, you have written a, a hell of a story, man. You're you're a blast to go watch. If somebody's listening, you've never gone and watched sprint cars, go over and mm-hmm. watch them a night at Lawrenceburg. Uh, buy the pit pass. Uh, come to the pits. Go see Joss. Uh, it's always, there, it's, there's always something going on around the pit. You're right about that. It's a good time. You always, and I, I will say this too, you always take time to talk to anybody that comes up. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, you, you'll take time. Obviously, there's there's moments that, we got to get things done and go, but it's true. you're always willing to take time for somebody that comes up and, and go out and see these guys. Cause it's amazing, man. Proud of you. Appreciate you saying that. It means a lot to me. It really does. I, I wish I could have been one of those guys when I was younger. I wanted to become like a all-star sprint car racer or USAC sprint car racer, but I never had the money and I never had the skill to totally do that. <laughs> I, I think I probably had the skill. I just never had the opportunities to move forward and, I'm totally I'm happy with what I've done, man. I've done a lot of cool things, won some big races, and I've won quite a few races, not a bunch, but more than what most people do, and won some championships, and it's it it's freaking awesome. I ran some I ran some outlaw shows when I was younger. I cried lined up with Steve Kinzer, and <laughs> <laughs> so I mean the memories is just it's freaking awesome, it really is. It makes me feel old though that you're calling yourself the old guy. I mean I, I'm uh, yeah. remember when you didn't have a driver's license yet. I know, and I'm still young. I'm 42, yeah. but I'm the old guy. So I, mean, I know it's crazy. Yeah, you'd come down and. He's on a learner's permit driving dad home. You That's know, right, that was. Yeah. I bet that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably out the door. Wish me luck. <laughs> well, Josh, man, we're, we're at an hour now. And, uh, but I want to say, man, I, I wish you the best of luck this year. Um, and excited to see everything you get to go do. And I absolutely plan to redeem myself and, and go to a race with you and your dad this year. And, uh, if this one goes bad, I am done. I, won't. <laughs> I will not attend a race with you again, even though I know you tell me it has nothing to do with me. But it doesn't. Yeah. I'm too damn superstitious. So if we have a bad night, well, I'll be honest with you. There, it's funny you say that. There is a. There's always some guys that always show up at the races, and, and I always see them in the pits when I have a bad night. I wreck out or I do something stupid. That's always my worst night, and I'm like, they think this is how I actually race. I'm actually better than this, I promise. <laughs> but it's whenever they show yeah. up. They never, I never see them when I win or run up front. <laughs> but, no, man, I, I wish you all the best, and thanks for coming on tonight, and uh, we appreciate it, man. Man, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. It was awesome. It was fun. 
All right, and we will be back. Uh, just an update here on the schedule um, in uh, two weeks, uh, March, actually a couple weeks here, March 6th. Uh, let me make sure. March 9th uh, we will release. We will be on with Steve Peden, uh, the P3 car, uh, Indiana Late Model Series uh, crate racer. And the 16th you will see us live with um, a history of racing mm-hmm. with uh, Celery Brown and Trent Nifflis. Uh, you know, I'd almost like to bring Billy on then. We, we that may, would be cool. We may need to pull Billy in too, and, I'll see and the background, and get get all those guys going. Um, because it, yeah, mm-hmm. just excited to hear that and the story of those races. Uh, then we're gonna take a couple weeks off. Uh, we got spring break in there, and uh, you know, racing kind of kind of getting heated up. And then we're looking at. Um, I think I said it. I'll I'll double check here, but April eighth, that first week. Adam Stricker is oh, going to be cool. down and in studio with us. Uh, Modified Racer has jumped in and ran the Masterbuilt House Car uh, some. So he's going to come down, make the trip down from Cincinnati and be in studio with us. Um, also uh, have some some things reached out, uh, hopefully at the end of April. Uh, good chance we're going to be talking to Charging Charlie Mefford. So oh, cool. uh, cool, uh, cool. going to work on him, getting him in here. You know, he had a, a heck of a dome. Uh, with with a, a pretty amazing wreck. So hopefully yeah. getting Charlie back, getting Charlie on the show to talk to him. That'd be cool. So, I, I, I race at him there in my World of Outlaws uh, PlayStation game. Yeah, I wreck him every time I see him on the track. <laughs> I make sure to, to run him up the track. I don't necessarily wreck him, but nah, I, I, he knows I, take, I go by him there. So I take him, him out. <laughs> I take him out right off the bat if I get the chance. So. Uh, but yeah, so make I sure to hear this conversation about that. When it comes <laughs> <on>. <laughs> make sure to tune in for that. Uh, and again, guys, uh, we'll be back again here in a couple weeks. Thank you. Thank you guys.